and bonjour all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to the November 24th Gardening with Cisco show. Hey, I, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I had a really wonderful Thanksgiving. I went to uh, uh, some really close friends, David and George. Some of you remember them as Little and Lewis. Now they're Lewis and Lewis because they got married. <laughs> they were very famous uh, garden art uh, artists. And um, they don't make any of that stuff anymore, but I still have a ton of it in my garden. And uh, the whole dinner was wonderful. The company was incredible, but it was the chocolate boudini (laughs) that really made the whole night. I am still suffering from a sugar rush, so if I talk too fast, you know what it is. Oh, that was fun. Man, I'll tell you, if you can ever have chocolate boudini in your life, just eat it. Take my word for it. You'll never forget the experience. I dreamed about it all night. Okay. Hey, uh, one last thing I want to tell you before I introduce my guest for today, and that is that I was on New Day Northwest. You know, I'm on that uh, show on King 5 every every other Monday, and I had a competition with Ed Hume, the most famous gardener in the area, he and I uh, had uh, we had the battle of the house plants. Who had the best house plants? And we really do battle it out. <laughs> so, hey, if you want to see that, Mary stuck a link right on the front page of Cisco dot com, so you can click on that and uh, you'll find out about some really cool house plants. But you'll, I think you'll also get a kick out of watching what a tiger that Ed is. Man, oh man. He held his own every minute at a competition. <laughs> we just sat there and denigrated each other's plants. <laughs> All right, so I want to introduce my guest right now. Her name is Natalie Plays. She's the Senior Programs and Education Manager of City Fruit. Now, you, I know you've, uh, I've had people from City Fruit on before. I think it's one of the best programs in uh, our area. And basically, folks go out and they, it used to be they just harvested fruit from trees and then uh, most of it went to food banks and, you know, it just didn't go to waste because it's horrible how much fruit just falls on the ground goes to waste. Well, now City Fruit has become a much bigger program. They're doing a lot more than just that. And one of the things they're doing is educating people to take care of fruit trees and now they have a new program called the Master uh, Fruit Tree Steward Program. And we just happen to have Natalie here, who is the the education manager of that whole program. And uh, the I think you're pretty much, are you the only teacher or there more? Thanks, Cisco. Yes, I'm the instructor, but we also have other instructors come um, to give some expertise in different areas. Great. Now, before we tell people uh, how they can become master fruit tree stewards, uh, I want to remind everyone that there's a link to City Fruit right on the front page of Gardening with Cisco. But um, how did you get into fruit? Oh, that's a great question. So my background is in public health and landscape design, and I was Uh always so intrigued and interested in fruit trees, especially in Seattle, because they're everywhere. They're on sidewalks, they're in backyards, and I think they have just amazing potential to feed our city. And, you know, 
I, for a while, I think people left their fruit sitting there. Sometimes, you know, it's just people, they move into a place. They didn't plant the apple tree. They're not used. So, I mean, I, I went, one time we had an office manager at Seattle. You never ate any fruit or vegetables. <laughs> that wouldn't be good, you know. But um, <laughs> So a lot of times people leave the fruit, and then there's been problems with things like apple maggot. You know, this doggone pear rust is driving me totally batty. But so uh, there's a lot of problems that have moved in. So uh, how do you folks deal with that kind of thing? I mean, you have to you have to do something to protect the fruit before you harvest it, don't you? Definitely. There's a couple of techniques that you can use on your trees in your backyard or in your neighborhood to keep the bugs out of your fruit. And we at City Fruit use a physical method to prevent the bugs from getting in. So sometimes you might see along the Burke-Gilman Trail, there are some fruit trees that have nets over them, although they're done for the season. But we put nets on them in May through our Save Seattle's Apples program. um, And that keeps the bugs from getting to the fruit um, throughout the summer. And then the nets come off right as you're harvesting the tree. That is so much better. We just talked about this last week. A caller called in because you know, putting those stupid pantyhose footings around every apple. Oh my gosh, what a zen experience that is. And now I've, you know, this year we tried uh, sandwich bags. But um, where do you folks get your uh, your nets to put around the trees? Yeah, definitely. The footies and the sandwich bags are a lot of work. And they're also, um, you know, not sustainable. They're not compostable. Good point. Um, Yeah. And so there are two different things that we use and the nets that we are working with. We have worked with uh, Wilson Orchard Supply and then we're working to get the garden stores in Seattle to put them in stock. Oh, oh, will that be wonderful if that happens? Yeah. And Rain Tree Nursery, they got to have those two over there, you know? Yeah, definitely. But that's wonderful. Yeah. It's it's interesting. A caller called in you know, in the old days, uh, people started trying to put reme around their trees, you mm. know, the stuff that we put over the veggies and everything, and, but it blocked too much light. So you, the fruit was perfect that year. Next year, you got no fruit. Oh, yeah. So now they've made these, these uh, nets way better, huh? Yeah, the netting that we're actually using, we've experimented with a few different types. And the one that we've found that works the best, there are actually two types. You can use hail netting, which is what a lot of commercial growers use to keep oh, hail damage. Yeah, from okay. Their I've trees. seen those over in the east side of the mountains all the time. Yeah, and that lets a lot of light in um, and allows a lot of airflow, especially in our very humid Pacific Northwest ah, climate. And okay. then also bee netting is also uh, the right size to keep. Uh, bee netting. Yeah, keeps now, apple maggot fly bee and netting. coddling it's moth To out. keep, you don't want to get pollination, that's why you put that on there? Yeah, I do think it's very specific to a, probably a few different types of crops that they need to pollinate very specifically. Ah, uh, okay. That makes total sense. Well, I got a question for you. Where Did you grow up here in Washington? Where did you grow up? I did not grow up here. I grew up in Virginia. There's plenty of apple orchards out there, though. <laughs> So you moved here, and uh, how did you get involved with City Fruit? Yeah, great question. So I got involved through um, 
uh, I went to Bastier for landscape design, and then oh, okay. they opened an AmeriCorps position, and that was my first uh, foot in the door. Oh, how about that? That is so great. Okay, listen, we're going to take a break. If you got any question about tree fruit, this is your chance to get it answered, to say the least. <laughs> so between the two of us, there's no humanly possible way we'll get stumped today. <laughs> so, uh, hey, one triple eight. 973 Cairo, one 973 Call in about any kind of question. No, I have a feeling that Natalie can help me answer just about anything there is. So, hey, we'll be right back. 97.3 Cairo FM. start talking the next thing you know is oh i know that music <laughs> so hey natalie place is here and she's the senior programs and education manager for city fruit now we have some callers and i promise we're going to go to you really soon but i do want to ask you about the master fruit tree steward program because it sounds really cool it sounds like you get unbelievable training and uh you know, some really, you really can become well-skilled from taking it. So tell us a little about that program. Sure. The Master Fruit Tree Steward Program is a series of hands-on trainings uh, to teach folks how to care for their fruit trees in their community and also to share the harvest. So a lot of hands-on skills, pruning, training, grafting, pest prevention, all the way through the harvest. Wow. So you really learn a ton. And uh, how many classes, and you have to attend all the classes, I assume, to become a a tree steward. Yes, there are six total classes, and half of the training is in the classroom, uh, talking about resources, learning a lot about uh, the issues, and then the other half of the trainings are outside uh, on fruit trees so that you get that hands-on experience. That sounds so good. Now, what I'm sure that Somebody that gets all that training's got to give something back. <laughs> Definitely, we um, we work with the Master Fruit Tree Stewards to provide forty hours of community service of fruit tree care back in the local orchards all around Seattle. Cool. So, so they put their work in to protect these uh, orchards because there are quite a few orchards that were kind of let go for a while that you folks are starting to manage now, right? Definitely. There are about 16 orchards that we provide resources to in some capacity or another, but there are a lot of other spaces in the city being taken care of by folks in community gardens and neighborhoods and housing complexes that we want to be able to help folks with too. Oh, that's perfect. And uh, if I read it right, This year, it was over 50,000 pounds of fruit that City Fruit saved this year. Yeah, we're counting the last few pounds here at the end of the season with kiwis and persimmons. Ah, yeah, the late ones. Yeah. So do we, persimmons, do both kinds, the Asian and the American, ripen up well here? 
They do. I think that um, you have like a little bit of a different result depending on what variety that you have and how well it was pollinated. Uh, okay. But we have some beautiful persimmon harvests. Oh, man. I grew uh, Asian persimmons at Seattle U because they're self-fertile. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I, I was there 24 years, but I didn't, pr- didn't plant them till a little later. Never got a persimmon on them. <laughs> But the fall colors to die for on those trees. God, they're beautiful. They are really beautiful. pretty trees. Wow. So, uh, how many people so far have you trained to be a tree tree steward? Oh, I think at this point I have trained over thirty students, probably closer to forty-five or fifty students wow. in the last few years. Wow, pretty good. Yeah, and so each class is about uh, 15 students. Do you keep in touch with these tree stores? Do they keep working with City Fruit most of the time? Or Yeah, it's a combination. Some of them kind of take on their own projects in their neighborhoods and then reach out to City Fruit for help when they need it. And others really stay in touch by adopting an orchard and going back on a regular basis to take care of the fruit trees. There's one other thing about City Fruit that I read and that's that you're expanding your reach now. You used to only be in a couple of neighborhoods. Every year you're getting wider reach. And now it sounds like almost all of Seattle you're going to have in there. Yeah. So 2018 marked the year that is our 10th year anniversary. And we also expanded to serve every neighborhood in Seattle. Wow. So I gave some talks for uh, food banks. And I got to visit some food banks, and boy, it's so cool. They're they're more like a regular grocery store now. People come in and pick what they want, and it's just wonderful to see that available for people. And boy, it's the fresh fruit. I watched people that were in their shop, and they went for that fresh fruit. You know, in, in the old days, you couldn't even get that there. Yeah, I think it's uh, one of the unique things and something that speaks to me personally about fruit is that it can be enjoyed by people of all different backgrounds, young and old, um, and it just seeing the joy of people's faces when they get their hands on a piece of fresh, fresh-picked fruit is I can, really amazing. I can never decide what my favorite fruit is. <laughs> Neither can I. Uh, I mean, because I love them when they're seasonal, you know, and it's so good. But it's so wonderful that uh, you can get local, delicious fruit. Nothing better than growing your own. Definitely. Oh, Nothing tastes man. like a fresh picked piece of fruit from your own backyard. I'm always doing the test on my apples because it's really the taste test when I know it's ripe, you know. Yeah. Those Spartans can just, uh, mm, they're so good. Yeah. And a tip for other people who are growing apples in their backyard is the way to really know if they're ripe. You can taste them all you want, but you could also cut them open. And when the seeds are brown, that's when you know that they're ready to pick. That's right. And people always wonder, I get that question quite often, why are the fruit falling off my tree? You open them up, there's no seeds in there. Mm. And a tree isn't going to bother growing fruit. It's not growing it for you. It's growing it because they tried to reproduce, you know. So it's pretty interesting, yeah. So and uh, so with uh, persimmons, you just got to let them ripen up on the counter. You don't have to put them in the fridge or anything, right? No, they should just ripen up on the counter. Unlike a kiwi... You've got to give most kind or the fuzzy kiwi. You've got to give them how long? About three months in the in the fridge, I think. 
Yeah, sometimes it takes a while. So you just got to keep going back to it and then, checking on them. But then you put them out and oh, la, la. Those <laughs> are good. Yeah. They can take over your whole backyard, though. Watch out for those things. Definitely. Those vines are heavy. <laughs> oh, man, they're big. All right, listen, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And then, I, Carla, the minute we come back, we're going to pop you right on 97.3 Cairo FM. Okay, hey, listen, I'm going to go to Carla first, then I'm going to ask you a really important question that you told me about that I really want to give that tip. But right now, Carla from Auburn, hey, welcome to the show. Appreciate uh, you giving us a call. Oh, thank you, Cisco. I've enjoyed you many times at uh, the Windmill Gardens down oh, our cool. way. And also, you and Ed Hume were just terrific on Monday <laughs> on the New Day Northwest. I always watch out for when you're going to be on because we miss your other show. Oh, um, thanks. Okay, I have a question on something you recommended to me years ago. I have a 16-year-old Viburnum Dawn in my front yard. And it's just blooming like crazy light right now, and the hummingbirds love it. Oh, and yeah. I'm never sorry I put it in, but it's gotten rangy where it has six large, oh, I want to say trunks on it. And they tend to, you know, we've pruned it at the ends, and they've, they've, started, they've started to lean over now, and then water sprouts come up off the part where it's leaning over. What I'm looking for is how am I going to prune this wonderful shrub and get it a little back into shape? Well, if it were me and it were my shrub, I'd be brutal. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> yeah, I think I would take, you know, so I'm, there's the four main trunks. Are there also a lot of suckers growing up from the uh, ground? Yeah, we're always... Yeah. Hitting suckers constantly. I think I'd go ahead and cut. I might cut them all down. It's not going to kill it, I guarantee it. Okay. So you can cut those right down to like an inch from the ground. And now it is going to exact revenge for this by putting up so many suckers. But you know what I love doing with those uh, Dawn Viburnums, which if people don't know what they are, they have pink flowers. Fragrance can be in bloom. Uh, during the winter time, so it keeps the hummingbirds really happy all winter long, which we have to have food for our Anna hummingbirds. So uh, if you cut those down, what I would do is only allow so many suckers to grow, which means that for the rest of your life you're going to be cutting suckers off this yeah. left and right. But um, And then you could let those become main branches, however many you want to keep. And what I do right. is I try to grow them like little trees, and uh, you could, you know, uh, cut the top back when they get the height you want, and they'll branch out quite a bit. But uh, so they look really cool if you keep those suckers off and grow them like a little tree. 
Yeah, it it got like a little tree, but then it started to bend over. That's yeah. the bending over is what now it's 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 got the lean. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Once they become a weeping tree, yeah. then they send all those sprouts up from that spot, and it's a real pain in the neck. Oh yeah, and it's and I hate to touch it because the hummers are out there all the time. One other question: What time sure. of year would you do this? I do it uh, this time of year, except for the fact that it's going to make your hummingbirds really upset. So because of that, I'd wait till almost spring. Oh, Late thank February. you so much. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try that. How did I know you were going to say be brutal? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think sometimes, I try that. sometimes it's the way to go. It may take a couple of years before it starts blooming again. That's the only bad part. But Well, well we've got a bunch of camellias blooming now, oh, good, so maybe good. they'll like those. Or they will. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much. That was a great call. Thanks, Carla. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, Natalie, i got to ask you this question. So the, what's the name of that fruit fly again? I can never remember it. Yeah, the name of the fruit fly, it's a spotted wing fruit fly called spotted wing drosophila. Yeah, SWD for short, but it goes after unripe fruit, unlike other fruit yeah, flies. Yeah, it's become a big problem because it gets into fruit before it ripens. And so you bite into that blackberry or strawberry or whatever you've got, and there's a big fat maggot in the middle smiling back at your half a maggot. That's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) So you have a great uh, recommendation to solve that problem or help. Yeah. So I haven't come across any solutions to keep them out yet. I'm still asking anyone who has any thoughts or tips or anything that's worked for them to always, you know, come and contact me and let me know because we're always gathering information like that. But um, if you do think that you might have an issue with the spotted wing fruit fly, um, I would say harvest your fruit when it's ready and stick it in the freezer. And um, at a quick freeze, the maggots will all of a sudden freak out and try to find their way out of the fruit. And so then they'll come out of the skin and you can kind of pluck them right out. Oh, wonderful. Um, maybe not the most ideal situation, but at least, you know, you could probably eat, still eat part of it or make something delicious. Um, yeah. From of course, you're going to have a freezer full of little maggots, but other yeah. than that. <laughs> you got you to gotta clean it out for sure. Uh, yeah, it's really, that's been a big, big problem. That's a great tip. So I hadn't heard that before. I really like it. So uh, thank God they don't get apples and pears and things like that. It's all the soft fruit that they like. Yeah, I would say the other thing is that this is not a scientifically proven thing, but because we have so many just blackberries growing on the side of the road, I think that those fruits that don't get harvested are actually harboring the, you know, the maggots and overwintering and causing problems in the fruit we do eat. So So eat more blackberries. Eat more blackberries. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Okay, listen, we've got uh, Mike from Bellevue on the line. All right, Mike, hey, what's happening in Bellevue? Oh, hey, how are you doing? Hey, great, thanks. Hey, uh, I was thinking, I have a cherry tree in my backyard, but I was thinking about planting a couple, maybe an apple tree or a pear tree or a plum tree. But um, one of the things I'm concerned about is the the rodents, like the rats and the raccoons that come around and eat all the fruit that drops. Is well, there a way to mitigate that or reduce that? Well, that's a great question, and Natalie, I'm so glad yeah. you're here. <laughs> this kind of is a hard question to answer. 
Yeah, this one is pretty tough because they the rodents are kind of everywhere. But there are a few things that you can do to keep them from really going after your fruit. And one of them is make sure that if there's any fruit that falls throughout the year, which is really normal for a fruit tree, that you're picking it up and you're composting it so that it's not kind of sitting on the ground and attracting sort of those extra pests. And then the other thing that you can do is the netting that we used for pest prevention is also a really good barrier for birds and rodents to keep those bugs out of um, the fruit that you're growing, uh, keep the other animals out of the fruit that you're growing. So, um, and you kind of keep that on for the whole season and uh, then it, it acts as a barrier for them too. I saw a squirrel running away with one of my apples the other day, but I don't think that these rodents climb up in the tree to get them. That's when they're on the ground, I think. Yeah, fruit on the ground is the easiest fruit for them to get, so that's what they'll go after first. And it is it is difficult to go out there and pick up all the time. I mean, I, I try to do it with my apples and pear trees, but sometimes I just kind of, you get busy and you forget, you know, but uh, I think that I think that covering them is a really good idea because uh, I know um, like with raccoons, uh, bird netting, pretty thick bird netting or even deer netting, I've seen people cover them with, but boy, it's interesting. It was a fig tree of a friend of mine. She covered her fig tree because those raccoons love those figs. And they know right when they're ripe to <laughs> come and get them. And, uh, but everywhere where a fig grew next to the netting, you could see the bites out of it. So they yeah. got up there, but they never they didn't get the fruit, though. So that seems to really help. But, you know, um, and I think the other thing is try and trap rats whenever you can, at least that's what I do. I definitely have some at my house, you know, and uh, fortunately, I don't see them too much. They only come out when I'm leaving, having a garden tour at my house. We're all sitting around on the patio drinking wine. This happened to me when Charlie Royer, ex-mayor, is in my garden. Oh, gosh. We're sitting on the patio drinking wine, and on the arbor up above, I see a rat going across. I tried to tell a really good story to get everybody's attention. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but Charlie Royer told me that uh, Seattle's the number two worst city in the United States for rats. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So it is a problem. And rats are so smart. Mm -hmm. I'll catch a few. Then they figure it out. They they fire the trap and eat the, the peanut butter, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're way smarter than I am. So it's a combined effort, I think, to go after them. You know, i just tell you one other story, too. Uh, at uh, Seattle U, I had a woman that worked with me that was just great gardener, you know. She did a terrific job. But as happens to a lot of gardeners as we age, she started having wrist problems and all those things. So she said, I got I to gotta quit, you know. But she got a job down at a nursery nearby. And uh, so she was doing really great buying all her plants. I was always over there buying plants for her. I'd get her to buy the really rare ones for me. <laughs> And uh, she calls me up and she goes, something's eating everything. All our perennials are getting chewed right off. And uh, I went over and looked. I said, it's rats for sure. I even found some pellets. I told her, get two cats. Mm -hmm. She got two cats. That took care of that rat problem. And then uh, the problem was they had to let them out at night. But they had big fences because they didn't want them to catch birds. But boy, did they catch the rats. The problem was solved so fast. 
So put a tie a, a, a cat on a leash by the tree. <laughs> well, that probably won't work. I, I don't know if that's it. <laughs> but, Mike, it's worth growing fruit, don't you agree, Natalie? It's, I definitely agree. And, uh, you you know, I don't think you get more rats as long as you keep it pretty well cleaned up. You yeah. know, that's the key, okay. though. And uh, it's right. worth it because, boy, that homegrown fruit is so good. Oh, boy. Yeah, I would check with your neighbors, too. Yeah, that's right. See how your neighbors are doing if they're having a big problem with rats. But uh, but if you catch a few of them, at least you feel like you're getting revenge, you know? Well, that's kind of what my, where my questions come from is, is that if I do have more fruit trees, am I going to draw more rats and then are my neighbors going to get more rats? Right, you, and I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy. No, I agree. What do you think, Natalie? Is if we keep it picked up, do you think? Yeah, I think if you keep the fruit picked up, um, that would definitely help. I think you should also just talk to your neighbors before you plant fruit trees. See if your neighbors are actually gro- growing fruit and not able to eat all of it, and maybe you can uh, exchange a little, um, make a little exchange with your neighbors um, before you plant your own tree. If if you're worried about it, from your or if any of your neighbors own a winery, grow fruit and trade with them. <laughs> There's always something good that comes from this. <laughs> Okay, so right. I I don't think you'll attract that much more rats, though, as long as you keep them picked up. That's my personal opinion. Okay. All right, Mike. Hey, I appreciate your time, guys. Great call. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hey, Thank we'll you. be back. Gene from Carnation. We'll stick you on 97.3 Cairo FM when we come back after this. And my guest today is Natalie Place, Senior Programs and Education Manager from City Fruit. And I am going to ask you how people can sign up to do this when we come back. So 97.3, Cairo Fam, best uh, garden show on the air. Okay, real quick before we go to Gene and Carnation, and that is how can someone become a tree steward with City Fruit? It's a super easy process. You should go onto our website at cityfruit.org, and there'll be a link to uh, look and uh for information about the Master Fruit Tree Steward Program right on the homepage, and there's an easy online application. Cool. Yeah. So, hey, I really recommend it. You're going to get great training, I'll tell you that much, and uh, you will understand growing all kinds of fruit, and you'll be able to help people with their fruit trees and make sure that uh, that a lot of this fruit that was wasted before goes to the food banks. It's so wonderful. So, yeah, city fruit. Thanks, Cisco. <laughs> okay, Gene from Carnation, thanks a lot for giving us a call. Good morning, Cisco. Hi. Hi. I wanted to ask... Uh, Regarding the netting, uh, when you first came on, you said that most of the netting that I've been seeing in Seattle, I've been curious about those white nets and who they belong to and who is responsible for them. Are those bee nettings or are they hail netting? And why would you use one over the other? I have uh, cherries that I want to protect from the birds, and bird netting over the years has not helped that situation whatsoever. So I've been real curious about those white nets. 
Great. Well, we've got the person to answer the question. Yeah, great question. So the netting that we use for the most part is hail netting. That's the one that we started using as our first test, and it worked so well that we continued to use it and buy more nets for fruit trees in public spaces and in parks. This was the first year that we also tested bee netting because there was a supply issue with how much hail netting was in some of the stores. So we did kind of a measurement of the spaces in the netting. And so this year we tested a few number of trees with bee netting, which is a tiny bit smaller um, and still works really great. But if you're worried about humidity, I would use the hail netting just because there's more airflow. Now, how can she get it? She could go to, uh, you mentioned... Uh, company. Yeah. So we work with a larger orchard supply company in Yakima. Um, but I would say you could check with any of your local garden stores and ask for hail netting or bee netting, and they should be able to I, provide it to you or they would have uh, a reference for it. I went to Wilson's Orchard's website and they did not list hail netting. That's why my other reason for calling. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I think that we had switched oh, to bee okay. netting or had uh, supplemented with bee netting. So and I would say either one of those would, should work perfect for what you needed. And there was one other that last week a woman called and she said she got netting and I, we didn't know that it might be hail netting. I didn't know what it was from eggfabric.com, agfabric.com. So that might be a possibility too. Yeah, there's, there are a lot of online retailers, and we have seen some on Amazon um, and other kind of like large retailers, so you can order it. Um, I'm sure there's lots of resources and on Gina, there. Gene, I do it quick because everybody listening to this show is going to be, including <laughs> me. Hey, I do have a question, Gene, so don't go away yet, that I want to ask Natalie. And that is, um, so I've had a problem sometimes. I have these nets I put over some of my plants uh, to protect them from cold. And it's it's uh, called frost protect. It's wonderful, but sometimes if you've got some sprouts on the top that have been cut off, they go right through the netting. Have you had any problem with that kind of thing? Yeah, sometimes after we put the netting on and leave it on for a few months, there will be some sprouts that go grow through. But um, you can usually kind of get the net right off of them and just, you know, you'll just have to be careful. Stick a piece of tape on it or something. Right. Or if it's, you know, if it's a water sprout that you don't want, you can prune it right off. Yeah, yeah. So that so netting, that could be a netting, problem. Huh? The netting, the netting that you I've seen in Seattle looks like it's not going to capture any birds either. That's been my problem is, is with most of the bird netting. It, I have tangled up birds in there and that's, oh, that's that'd be terrible. frustrating for the bird and me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Great question. It should not be a problem to the birds. The, the netting size, the spaces in between the netting are very, very small. So, Gene, that was a great question. Unfortunately, the show is about to bite the dust. <laughs> so, but thanks for calling because I learned a lot from that conversation, too. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Natalie uh, Place, you are the best. Ah, thanks, Cisco. So, Great to be here with you. You can have a good teacher if you go take her course. All right, everyone. Brian, thank you so much. Hey, it's wonderful weather. Get out there, do some gardening, prune your fruit trees. See everybody next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>